Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. Today on the show, I have Trevor Greenlee, founder and CEO of Interval. Interval is an online platform that helps business owners and their advisors value their business on an ongoing basis, as well as nudge them and provide advice as to how they can increase the value of their business. And with that, here's my interview with Trevor. Trevor, thanks for the time today. Thanks so much for having me. So Trevor Greenway of Interval, tell us about Interval. As you said, Interval is a, a dual-sided platform uh, that is predicated on really the democratization of, of valuation. Uh, we believe that business owners and their key advisors deserve to have access to that uh, key metric and the leading indicators that are that are driving it at all times. And when they're both aware of that number and are aware of the impact of the decisions that they're making on that number, they can take proactive activities and provide value and services uh, when they're needed the most. So before we dive into that, let's talk about the history of the company. How did this come to be? By pure accident. We've actually... Uh, serendipity. We <laughs> serendipity, yes, I suppose. We were an M&A consultancy for about 11 years. And really, the entire model was predicated on helping business owners earlier in the process, making M&A less of an emotional readiness type decision and something where they can be more proactive. And as we got into this, we very quickly found out that the commoditization of advice when it comes to accounting and, and, and banks, very much it's driven by when can I bring value at a specific point in time. But that specific point in time was... Too late. It was too late when the business owner said, oh, I need this. Uh, when really the data was actually guiding us, the data was giving us those answers. And there was just really no discovery occurring on that data to mm -hmm. create those trigger points to bring more value. Admittedly, we saw people that would raise their hand and say, I'm ready to get out of my business only to find out that it was worth half of what they needed it to be worth. Ah, uh, joy. <laughs> the old, everybody thinks their baby is pretty conversation. And we'll jump into my experience in that field in a minute, but let's let continue. So go ahead. So it's our goal and, and our mission, even as an M&A firm, was to help help business owners and their advisors uh, create awareness, educate around the value and the key drivers of that value a decade, at least, to have people were constantly aware. We, we figured that was a really, really critical component to help people make educated decisions about their future. Well, they still had time to do something about it. It was just really through that manual process as a consultancy that we began developing automated tools uh, to help us do that in a more efficient uh, and scalable manner. We built a tool for our own internal purposes. It turns out that once we built it, a bunch of people wanted to license it because those advisors, the banks, the accountants, the franchisors, basically any stakeholder that has a vested interest in the growth and development of that asset, the business uh, for a business owner, has a, a dual benefit for them. They can help them get there sooner. They can provide more value-added services in that journey along with them. It's really about integrated advisory and we're the mechanism and have to provide value to both personas for them both to win. So... I've dealt with this many times in my day job in, in the hustle, and it's it's interesting. So the general experience of a business owner is the first year is trying to survive, and let's say it's successful, and you know at some point you may be thinking about the exit or how much the business is worth, or yet to fill out forms that say what your business is worth. And more often than not, we're talking random guesses. Maybe people have known other people in the industry who've sold their business for X, Y, or Z, but they may hear something out there or their account may tell something out there and they'll map that onto their business with no contemplation of what the fundamentals or underlying differences between the previous sales would have looked like compared to what they're doing. And way too often we get to this stage where someone wants to talk about selling the business and it comes down to, well, who's willing, the people who are willing to pay for it versus, and what they're willing to pay compared to what the pe person thought it was worth are just completely at loggerheads. Or you'll enter up into a transaction whereby you want to pass it on to your kids or someone else. 
and you have to go get a valuation done. And <laughs> I know several valuators and it's just, you must have a fun job telling people that their kid's not pretty. Like that's, that's basically it because everybody is incentivized to think that. But when you think about it, everybody's really operating in this giant black box without constant feedback as to what the market value, they're the most, possibly the largest asset they have is. We can kinda know what our house will sell on based on comparables in the area, because that happens quite frequently. And we know what our market value and our investment portfolios are, but this, this is a gaping hole, quite honestly. You're right. And it's, we liken it very, you know, very much someone who has kind of, you know, regular kind of contributions to some type of investment portfolio. So they have a couple hundred bucks coming out every month. And so that's their investment in that asset. And then they measure that asset. They're always aware of the growth of that portfolio or their advisor is, you know, connecting back with them and doing an annual review. So you have an idea of what's going on with that. And people always know what's in their bank account. They know how much money they have. You know, it's not earning any interest in there, but they see how much they have. There's an awareness to that. And you're aware of your overall financial health as a result. We thought it was always backwards that the value of one's business, which for SMEs is typically their largest asset, is this black box that no one's aware of. So you're making contributions in the form of growing your business, trying to invest in certain elements of it. So they're doing that part. The regular extractions are, are, you know, they're doing that, those contributions to its value, but no one's ever helping them understand whether or not those things are actually having an impact on the overall value. And the trickle down effect to everything else that they do from a financial planning perspective is so critical. If you set a financial plan based on something that was wrong and then never revisit it again, it's like a broken clock, except it was never right a second time. Well, I mean, exactly. As I even say in my day job, like the plan is at best a snapshot on time with a point with a projection of direction and a bunch of guidelines for execution. But at the end of the day, it needs continuous updating. Otherwise, it's just stale. So same thing applies to the business valuation. And when you really think about it, we, for the record, uh, everybody listening, we had drinks last night. So we talked about a bunch of stuff in advance. And one of the things that we came up was the entire, well, okay, there's the reality of what it is. And there's the reality of what you want it to be when it basic, when you leave, right? And there's the old saying of what gets measured gets done. And if we don't understand the starting point versus the desired endpoint, how are we even going to start the conversation about getting to that endpoint, right? Like that's, that's the reality for a business owner or anyone consulting with them. And frankly, I, you know, again, gaping hole, like short of hiring, you know, business consultants to come in specifically for this task, they often turn to their other advisors, accountants and, and financial advisors for this sort of thing. And we can, we can nudge them in certain directions, but again, we're still working in the dark with this. You're right. And it's, it's that connected nature. I think you talked about it and I, you and I chatted about this last night where, the emotional readiness components is what we is really what we need to combat. Like this is a this is a plan for a future state. In order to know where you are relative to the future state, of course, you need to know where you stand today. And then it's that measurement over time and the implications that that has on all of the other advisory relationships, whether that be tax planning, insurance, wealth advisory, financial planning. They're all integrated, and we have to be able to educate the business owner and their advisors around this key metric. We call it the ultimate KPI. There are a number of other KPIs that are more leading indicators, definitely, but they need to manifest themselves up into that ultimate KPI because that's the number that matters the most to the business owner. Absolutely. So basically, let's talk about the experience of using your software from the standpoint of both the advisor, whether advisor or accountant, whoever it is, and the uh, the business owner. So I 
I want to put my client on this. What am I doing to initiate this? So you are, you're, there's an invite done directly in app uh, where you can, you can invite your business owners. You can s- submit a list of business owners and say, these are the business owners I'm looking to invite. We then facilitate uh, that invitation process. The business owner is able to sign up to our platform. It takes about three and a half minutes in total for them to create the connection point. We, we pull APIs from uh, cloud accounting data. We do actually have a manual upload function as well for those that have not yet, uh, not yet converted to the world of cloud accounting, which allows us the regular extraction of that accounting data upon which to provide regular analysis. We're able to update valuations, provide evaluation at onset, as well as other key metrics and qualitative factors that really support that business's value. Mm-hmm. And then every month, we then pull that pull that data, providing them with an update. They know every month what their valuation is based on their, their current performance. Um, but it was really important to us specifically through that onboarding process. And, you know, I, I know you've seen it, Jason, the simplicity was, was very much, was very much the focus. We know that four minutes is a barrier and uh, the drop-off point after four minutes is, is considerable. We are impatient creatures. So it's critical to us that that onboarding process be that seamless. And uh, let's just go back to one point. You said cloud accounting software. So we're talking about QuickBooks Online, Zero, and the like. And I will say this much, you know, when we had a discussion about this last night, if you're listening to this and you're still on some sort of desktop accounting software, please, for the love of God, get off of it. <laughs> like you think of the thought of it made me want to drink more last night. Let me just say that much for any number of reasons in terms of being able to access the data from anywhere, but also not just the likes of Intraval, but other tools that are available that require you to be able to be flexible with that data and able to push it to other directions. So maybe this is the impetus for you to do it anyway. So beyond that. So, okay. So that data gets sucked in. You then, you know, you're, you're applying the M&A expertise that you have and the data sources you have on comparables and you're turning around very quickly how, and basically spitting out a number as to, Hey, here's your projected range. So basically, I think I just gave it away. You're tapping upon other databases of publicly available information on transactions to basically come to that based on industry. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're pulling from um, from three different data sources and aggregating them. Admittedly, in Canada, some of the data sources or the sample sizes aren't large enough to be to be meaningful. So it's why we pull from multiple data sources and aggregate them into one database. And then every year we update that database. Soon, we're hoping some of these databases will be API friendly because the the immediate extraction would be would be much more preferable on, on our end. Obviously, over time, as we continue to grow, we'll be able to pull from our own aggregate data set, which might be in one point be more meaningful than the ones that we're grabbing from. But that allows us to pull your weighted average cost of capital, your industry risk factors, which allows us to pull from cap rates, industry-specific valuations. And then we, we our system concurrently runs three models, it runs capitalized earnings, capitalized cash flows, uh, and net book value approaches on every business it sees. And then based on its industry and which one spits out the highest number, that is the range that could surface, uh, that could surface pardon me, uh, instantaneously. So I get this range, which is nice. I like it or I don't like it as a business <laughs> But again, we discussed this as an exercise in financial planning, right? At the end of the day, if you know what you want to be able to sell for or need to be able to sell it for, the question is, what do you do to get your business to that? And you provided some of those tools, of course, right? So you're providing a number of things, not just the valuation. I mean, you've got tools here. I'm going to go through some of them as we talk. So first off, you have a number of KPI metrics uh, and analysis to basically tell the consumer how they're doing on things like current ratio, inventory ratio, uh, inventory turnover, and you're benchmarking that. Benchmarking that against what, like industry, like where are you getting that data from? It's the same data sources. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, the RMA, Duffin Phelps, and Ibis World, and uh, and we pull all like I said, we pull all those together because some, depending on the specific niche of that industry, sometimes you'll see, depending on the data source, you might see a specific niche industry that only has like four 
businesses and their sample size, which is obviously mm. not significant enough. So we aggregate those on both sides of the border in order to get something more meaningful and more representative of specific industries, which allows us then to benchmark because it's one thing to to understand your ratios, but rel- relativity is critical and knowing where you are relative to your to your peers. Uh, so cur- like you said, current ratio, inventory, turnover, equity, and, you know, equity ratios as well. It's critical that we surface those because those, again, are those leading indicators. If you're doing well in those areas or perhaps you know, there are, you know, as current ratio, you see sometimes where current ratios can be entirely out of whack and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means you may not be putting your cash to the fullest use. And so we want to make sure that we surface that and then educate the business owner. And we just, we just launched a feature called business owner education, where I think it's critical that they understand why we don't necessarily need to be prescriptive, but we can't just be giving them a number because then we're no better than the black box you referred to earlier. And I mean, the thing about these ratios, and I find there's two types of accounts, just like, I mean, there's, there's multiple types of advisors too. So this is not me picking on accounts, but there are tax preparers and there are those who actually provide advice. Uh, the majority are tax preparers. And I've met some wonderful people provide advice, but the reality is a lot of advisors, a lot of times, small business owners of a certain size have never even stopped the time to take the look at their ratios or truly understand what they really mean. I mean, even accounting students that I've, I've uh, tutored in the past when I was at university, they knew how to calculate a turnover ratio. They didn't quite understand what the impact on the business was of that turnover ratio. So what I'm really getting at here is that these metrics and showing how you benchmark is a valuable piece of data in that it can actually tell you where the potential problems in the business are. You know, basically, maybe you're holding on to too much working capital. Maybe you're not, you're, you're too generous on your collection terms. Maybe you're you know, doing things that others aren't that is impeding your growth. So already you're providing, there's your second point of value. Your first point of value was, this is where you are. Your second point of value is, this is how you compare. And maybe you need to get better at some of these things. So fantastic. From there, you've also got an interesting segment on here on, on scalability. Care to speak on how that works? So what we did is we actually pulled from, uh, we built a proprietary algorithm them based on our history as an M&A firm. Uh, we took dozens and dozens of due diligence processes and actually deconstructed them into common areas that prospective purchasers, regardless of how far you are away from leaving, will look at. And I think the best example I can give is you can have two businesses that are legitimate, their cash flows are legitimately valued at $3 million. One might sell for five, mm-hmm. the other might not be able to sell for one. And you say, well, how are they both valued at three? Well, their cash flows as a going concern are worth around $3 million. The transferability of those cash flows are not. Because if you have done preemptively some items that render this business de-risked, your odds of getting north of that valuation number increase. Conversely, if you have one customer that makes up 70% of your revenue, you can't keep a management team, you work 80 hours a week, and all the relationships are housed in you as a business owner, your cash flows are still worth three. But that your ability to, to you know, generate that in market is non-existent. So we wanted to make sure that we help business owners understand the qualitative factors that while they may not directly impact the valuation, they impact the risk factors associated with that valuation. Yeah. And I mean, this is the key difference between being a business owner and being an employee. And a lot of times people are really just employees to their own businesses without realizing that, you know, and then when they go to sell the business, they're trying to sell a job. They're not trying to sell the business, right? So there's two types of investors, as we know, uh, when it comes to this. There's strategic buyers who basically just want to want to just make an, well, there's investment buyers who just want to own the business and essentially have no operational 
need to run the business. And then there's ones who actually do want to run the business. So yeah, the, frankly, those are two very different metrics for sale. And it frankly, the ideal for any business owner should always be that the thing runs without them there. And what you've done here, quite honestly, with these questions is you've nudged them towards that from what I can see. I mean, you have a number of things here based on revenue sustainability, but then you start getting into things like how many of these shareholders, how many of the individuals working there are arms linked to the shareholders? So how many family members or are working there and how much, how much is their repeat business? Uh, how much involvement is there the business owner in every aspect of the business, right? And if you access all areas, the answer all areas, that's not the best of answers for you. Not at all. And when you think, you know, a lot of like our distribution model is we sell to accounting firms, we sell to banks, they then distribute our platform to the end business owner. Our job is to create education for the business owner around key metrics, but more so, and also the qualitative elements that are driving the value of their business. But concurrently, our job is to create a discovery mechanism for those that are looking to, to deliver value. If it comes, if you have an issue and you have an advisory team around you that's there to help, but they're not aware of it, that's everybody's issue. And so we want to make sure that we are then creating that connection point or being that conduit to delivering value to creating the best outcome for the business owner. So one other last area you have in here, and this is of course important, you have an accuracy check area. So let's just, uh, you know, there's an old problem when it comes to any data, which is garbage in, garbage out. So basically that is always, always, always a challenge for every company I talk to on this podcast. It's what's the one thing that is holding you back? Clean data is almost always near the top. So talk to me about what you've built to try to deal with that problem where you see that going. As you said, it's it's garbage in, garbage out, and and our platform would we would probably be equally garbage if it didn't have something like an accuracy check. Uh, the accuracy check is absolutely critical because it allows us the opportunity to to normalize uh, the cash flows. And so for the non-valuators, that's that's really you know more of the the kinds of things that cannot be found on your financial statements. Your financial statements are not entirely indicative of your free and clear cash flow. So you think the easiest example is you have a business owner who is either overpaying or underpaying themselves relative to what it would cost to replace that skill set. Mm -hmm. If they are overpaying themselves dramatically, their net income appears to be low. They may be doing it on purpose to suppress tax, but it's also not reflective of the free and clear cash flow upon which the multiples are going to be calculated. Hey, I only took 20,000 in income last year, but I also took a giant inner corporate dividend of half a million. Well, that's great. What does that mean to a buyer? You also see the inverse sometimes where you know, a business might appear to have free and clear, free and clear cash flow of you know, a significant amount only to find out that the business owner, because of their quality of their, their savings to date, haven't been paying themselves. Well, that's not really reflective of the going concern value of a business or its cash flow. So those types of things, other normalizations that we need to take into consideration, value of property relative to the net book, you know, whether you're talking about tangible asset backing, now I'm just being a nerd, but frankly speaking, it's really, really critical that those normalizations are asked because otherwise all you're doing is providing a valuation algorithm and laying it over top of purely financial data that yeah. has yet to be normalized, which, would, which wouldn't be correct. It would, half the time it would be wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's the first exercise in any normalization, in any um, valuation of a business is no, what unique liberties or things are <laughs> the business owner is the business owner taking with this, right? Like not, not to say they're cheating, but there's certain opportunities available. Like maybe they're going for business lunches more than they should be going, whatever it is. Right. So there's any number of things in that regard versus comparing this to say a pure publicly traded stock in terms of valuation, right? It's not quite the same thing. So overall, you guys are still relatively new. Uh, you're specifically at this point, just still targeting Canada at this point, that may change depending on what you want to do. I mean, that's always an open option for everybody, but this is where you are right now. Where do you see this going? 
going, right? You've got the very simple but valuable set of here's the valuation, here's some key metrics, here's some, you know, here's the reporting, here's the scalability of your business to nudge you, and let's make sure everything's clean. So you've done, you've kind of taken care of a really good core and provide some good value, but there's a lot of potential here. Like, what are you thinking? There is a lot of potential here. And as you talked about, there's a lot of potential on, on both sides of the border. We have, we've begun making some significant inroads uh, into the banking markets here in Canada and, and expect to be able to replicate that, that in the U.S. We believe very much that the flow of data, the clean, you know, cleaning of that data, the analysis of it, the, you know, really the automated discovery is a critical component, but that's eventually we believe that that will be table stakes. It's then what are you doing with that? And we are, we, you know, right now, one of, one of our big priorities is to develop a predictive evaluation model. You and I chatted about this, chatted about this last night, is, is to create a concept, and we've already begun development, where we can help business owners, yes, the now, but this is very much a, we call it rearview mirror look. These are things that have already occurred. We can't change them. We can learn from them, and we can make changes that might increase its you know, value going forward, but these are things that have already occurred. We want to help business owners once they understand that. Now talk about that end state. Let's begin to set those valuation goals. Let's set valuation milestones. And then we will recalculate your predicted end state valuation at the end. This is a journey. This is a journey for the business owner. And we want to help them. And we measure for them your valuation growth. We want to be able to prove that our platform leads to increased valuation growth. And then that way, the advisors that we sell to, the banks, the accounting firm, they're there on that journey too. They can help deliver value that will help those business owners create that ideal end state. I realize it sounds almost utopian in nature, but it's the nature of a dual-sided platform. If someone has to lose in order for somebody else to win, we believe the solution's wrong. So in order to make business owners win, we know that their advisors will win too and will create that best outcome for the business owner at the end. So as that, talk to me about your thoughts on distribution. I mean, like you already talked about, basically, you're, you're distributing through accountants and through uh, banks. Frankly, this is data that's relevant in a lot of places to a lot of advisors. I mean, we've talked about getting into the financial advisory space, and I'm already playing around with what you have. And uh, <laughs> of course, I'm the first guinea pig. I'm looking forward to onboarding my first client on this. So that'll happen shortly. But tell me about where you see this, because I think this is, I mean, just having a, a pulse check on the value of your business. I think about the verticals that this applies to everything from lending on and on, just, just keeping up a covenants alone on the lending side, and basically the, uh, you know, the financial planning side, there's a lot of options there. What do you think? You're bang on. The, the, the covenant component is 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 a is a, a an integration that you know that's in discussion right now already is, is to be able to provide those and surface those because covenants oftentimes can be very confusing and misunderstood and business owners often find that they they're out of line with their covenants far too late <laughs> or they're you know they're trying not to find out even though they might they they might wonder if they actually are are in line and that's one I believe the financial the financial planning and the wealth planning space I believe is a massive opportunity because as you as you touched on the integrated nature of what it is that we're finding out and what it is that we are surfacing has a ripple effect. It doesn't just impact the business owner. It doesn't just impact their accountant. It has an impact on their legal structure. It has an impact on their tax planning. It has an impact on their financial plan, their insurance products that are necessitated to protect them, right? Everything in this knowledge base has a trickle-down effect to their other advisory relationships and wealth and financial planning, I think, is the most obvious connection point for us that right now, it's not part of our distribution model directly, but the more we distribute, the more the connectivity and that integration becomes valuable. So there's three questions I ask everybody before we wrap up. 
The first one is if you had something you could change within your business or the industry as a whole, what would it be? It's an excellent, excellent question. I think within the industry as a whole, and it kind of it dovetails into into the way that we operate as well. Um, I think that there still is a bunch of a bunch of anchor theory where access to this education of whether it be valuation, key metrics, or really just kind of assessing things that are going on in a business, both from the advisor standpoint and the business owner standpoint, has far too often been still remains event based. We you know we talk with a lot of our accountants and banks when they're distributing it to their clients. We don't want your client to be near exit, right? Because at that point, the ability to impact change is, is, is limited. And so we, we believe that this democratization of access to information and that key data is so critical early on in the process. We've actually seen it in some of our pilots early on with some mm-hmm. um, financial institutions where it was we expected it to be kind of 50% older business owners and 50% lower or younger business owners. It's been heavily weighted towards the younger business owners. They're the ones that say, I want to know, because if I know earlier, there's something I can do about it. So it's funny that the business owners are saying one thing, and then oftentimes the advisors still have some anchor theory around when it's appropriate to really check on the health of one's business. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The, uh, I mean, I'm not surprised about the younger demographic wanting it. The younger demographic is used to getting instant answers and, not, and having transparency on, on many, many things. And in general, I like to say people like to complain that millennials want everything right away. And my response is good because frankly, if I can order anything from my phone on Amazon, Amazon to be delivered here, and you're telling me that I can't get an answer to what my business is worth within a couple of minutes based off the fact that I have all this data that's easily accessible, something's wrong, right? <laughs> like that's what it comes down to. And as for the appropriateness, I mean, come on, who's ever going to say no? I always find this funny. So the, I'll, I'll go back to this. The advisors or whoever else it is saying, well, when is it appropriate to do this? The reality is, when is a business owner going to say, I don't want to know what my business is worth? This is the same pushback I get when I present on technology where advisors are like, well, my clients aren't going to want this. I'm like, really? Have you tried? Have you posed? Have you pulled them? Have you just experimented? It's usually the response. The reason for that is that they're not ready for it or it's more work in their mind. Anyway, that's my rant. Second question. What has been the biggest challenge in the platform to where it is today? It's been the balance between, you know, it, it's a complex lift. It's not, there. it's complex algorithms, no question. And look, like, there are some wonderful, wonderful evaluators out there. CBVs are long, you know, are going to be around for a long time and prover- you know, providing great, great work and reports in scenarios where it's, where it's required. Our job is to help business owners understand from a strategic standpoint, this is what I'm worth. These are the models that we've run so that they can make educated decisions and be proactive decisions based on their data. But it's been that balancing act between the complexity of the algorithms and simplicity for the business owner. Right. And that's, it's a constant kind of yin and yang where we, you've got to be complex because it's hard to do. <laughs> but then at the same time, that can't manifest itself in your user journey. Right? The persona of the business owner, especially when you don't know the sophistication of the business owner, you have to know that you can handle all kinds and provide a depth of knowledge, almost like a la carte, where if you want to deep dive and learn more, you can learn as much as you want. But in a matter of minutes, you can get exactly what you need. And that balance between complexity and simplicity in this space is, is a challenge and will probably remain mm-hmm. a challenge. It's something that we are always mindful of. Absolutely. Last question I have for you is what keeps you getting out of bed morning every day to keep on fighting a good fight with this? Because as I always say, and basically being your own business owner is the most bipolar thing one could do to oneself. <laughs> it's like a masochist some days, but uh, yeah. I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world. And what drives me from the very beginning, and I can remember it vividly, I quite literally sat at people's coffee tables from across the country when we were working in M&A and had to deliver bad news that resulted in people in tears to say, my business is worth a fraction of what I thought it was worth. And I remember the question vividly, why didn't anyone tell me this? 
And they said, I know that I have people in my orbit that have access to this information and no one told me. Well, their job wasn't to tell them. And so as a result, no one did. And they were making decisions in a variety of different ways based on information that was incorrect. And so from that moment, it was how can we reach more business owners? And while we sell through distribution channels, the reason we do the one-to-many approach is because then we can help more people. And the more people we help, the more valuable we become in our relationships with our with our partners. So that's for me, and I realize it sounds like I'm a bleeding heart, but like I remember that vividly. And that's what gets me out of bed every day. If we can provide them access to more tools that educate them to help them create more value, our customers that pay us win and the end business owner wins at the exact same time. That's our goal and will always be. Excellent. Thank you so much, Trevor, for the time. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you for filling a gap in my in my business practice. And I look forward to seeing where this goes in the future. Thanks so much, Jason. Really appreciate the time. Thank you for listening. And if you're in the Canadian space, uh, in the advisory space, accounting, whatever it is, and valuation of your client's business would be of use, take a very close look at Interval. I think it's got places. I think you'll find it a very handy addition. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever is it your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.